You're listening to the Quince podcast. This week, the bridge between metaphor and reality has finally been crossed. Students have always been asked for their 100%. Well, this week Delhi University has literally asked students for 100% marks in a variety of subjects. The question though is, how is a 100% cutoff decided? And what are the factors at play that determine what an ideal and fair cutoff should be for a subject? Just like the price of a commodity in the market is determined by the pull and push of supply, demand and a host of market factors, what exactly are the invisible forces at play that go behind determining a cutoff? You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you and I'm your host, Sushovan. Just like the machinations of the marketplace determine what a car or a pen or a pizza should cost, the cutoffs also follow a similar method based on what students are scoring and how many students are applying to a particular college. Professor Simrit Kaur, principal of Shiram College of Commerce, gives us a brief overview of how a college goes about fixing the first cutoff. I think it's a very relevant question. What is the basis on which the colleges decide on a cutoff? Now, the question is, randomly, we are not the ones who decide on what the cutoff would be. University of Delhi provides us the data of all the students who have applied to University of Delhi for a particular course. Now, when the data comes to the respective colleges, there is a team working at the back end at each college to analyze the data and we collate it with the number of the sanctioned seats against that. For instance, supposing in one of the categories, we have 120 seats. Then we randomly put up some cutoff in the data set that has been provided by the university and see how many students are above that. Now, supposing I put in a number, which is let's say 99.5 as the cutoff, and I have a sanction strength of 120 in that particular category. But the number of students reflecting above 99.5 is, let's say, only 80. That's a clear indication that 99.5 cannot be the cutoff because we have lesser number of students above this as compared to the number of sanctioned seats available in a college. So we gradually keep coming down and we fix up a number where we seem comfortable that with this cutoff, we are expected to get a number of students enrolled at SRCC very closely related to the sanctioned seats. But rather uh, regrettably, it's very important to understand we cannot guarantee that the actual number of admissions will be exactly equal to the sanction strength because the procedure until now is such that anybody who is eligible above the cutoff has automatically got to be admitted in that particular college. So for instance, I randomly put in a number, supposing the cutoff is announced at 99 and a particular college has, let's say, 120 seats in that category. And we, we assume that if the number is about 180 above, we are comfortable because not probably everybody is going to come to this course. And we announce that cutoff. But what if all 180 students want to seek admission? 
So there is some kind of a uh, analysis that needs to be done. Not everything can be predicted. So sometimes it might be prudent also to not have a very relaxed cutoff in the very first cutoff, but be ensured that whatever is the cutoff which is announced, there are adequate number of students above the cutoff, even with a surplus, because based upon past experience, we are aware that there are students who are going to different streams beyond the ones for which they have applied for. Now, let's take a look at some of the actual numbers this year. In 2020, Delhi University saw over 3,53,000 students register for undergraduate courses. This is almost 1 lakh more than the 2,58,000 who had applied to the varsity last year. And how many seats does Delhi University offer at its undergraduate level? 70,000. So, 5 students on average compete for every seat at the university. But why has there been such a drastic jump this year? Three broad reasons can explain. First, the DU admission portal was open for almost 10 weeks this year in comparison to the usual four-week window. This allowed students from a range of boards to apply for admissions to the university. Second, since a lot of foreign universities have decided to conduct online classes this year, several Indian students have decided not to study abroad. Third, delay in conducting JEE main and NEET exams meant that a lot of students could have applied to DU as a backup. Former Vice-Chancellor of Delhi University, Dinesh Singh, explains why cutoffs are also set, keeping in mind the volume of applications, and why suddenly increasing the number of seats isn't feasible for a university that is, and I quote, bursting at its seams. It's a question of, you know, it's reached its maximum capacity. It is impossible to govern. It has 80-odd colleges spread across the city of Delhi. And, you know, it has more than 300,000 students. How large can you make an organization? It's already bursting at the seams. So the solution is not in expanding Delhi University till it sinks under its own weight. You know, this is the law of diminishing returns. You give enlarging an institution, it will start going down in quality. How much can you expand? I mean, it's reached full capacity. It has 10,000 faculty, 8,000 karamcharis. What else do you want? You can't make it any larger. And that is not the solution. No matter how large you make Delhi University, there are millions of students who want to gain access to higher education in our country each year. Obviously, one university cannot subscribe or take care of these kids. The, the solution lies in making sure that our universities across the nation, both in the public sector and the private sector, they must raise their standards and take care of the needs of the people. If that starts happening, you know, there will be goodwill all around. Why You don't see this kind of a problem in, say, the United States. You have on the one hand, you know, those Ivy League institutions which require high SAT scores and this and that. They require really high SAT scores. It's almost like the cutoffs of Delhi University. On the other hand, you have lots of other institutions in the U.S. which are also very high quality. Even run by, you know, government, state-funded state universities. They also do very good work. They provide good education. This is what we need to do in India, raise the standards all across the nation. The sooner that happens, the better it is. Unfortunately, 
I noticed a decline in standards all across the nation for many, many years. That is the tragic part. So, we know that volume of applicants are high. But among the high volume of applicants, the number of students scoring above 95% has also drastically shot up, and those scoring above 90% even more so. In 2019, 17,690 CBSE students had scored above 95%. That number this year has soared to 38,686. That's a jump of 118.7% in just one year. Therefore, DU's Dean of Admissions, Shobha Bagai, says that if students are getting high scores in their boards, DU cutoffs are bound to reflect that. The cutoffs have always been high for BCom honours and economics honours. In political science honours, if I give some context from last year, what happened was that subjects like political science and history weren't traditionally high-scoring subjects. But last year, we saw that even in these subjects, students have started scoring 100% marks. So this is why the cutoffs in such subjects go up. I want to reiterate again that if students score high in a subject, it will get reflected in the Delhi University cutoffs. However, this does not mean that a student scoring 94% does not deserve a seat in a subject of her choice. Her merit obviously cannot be questioned based on a difference of just 5 marks. However, this is where guidelines by the Ministry of Human Resources come in. Every college has a sanctioned student-teacher ratio which must be maintained to keep the college's quality parameters intact. An increase in the number of seats would mean a commensurate increase in the amount and cost of infrastructure and faculty. SRCC's Professor Kaur says these are guidelines that a college just cannot wish away. If a particular college has a sanction strength of X and the number of students registered become a multiple of X or X plus Y, you don't have the capacity. We are all working with the physical infrastructure, which is remaining fixed because by definition, your physical infrastructure doesn't change overnight. And we are working with the sanctioned strength. So when more students come, you don't have enough classes to accommodate. You don't have enough teachers. You have to maintain the student-teacher ratio also. There are teaching-learning outcomes which are based upon stipulated norms of the MHRD. So the moment you overshoot with your admissions, Though technically there is nothing wrong if you overshot, but it dampens the spirit of an effective and an optimal environment within the college premises because larger number of students in the fixed environment will create certain non-conducive measures of learning. So we have to avoid, we must try and have an optimal allocation of seats to the sanction strengths. However, Teachers, administrators and principals all agree that the existing model can fall short of being fair to every student. And a need to revisit the ecosystem of evaluating the true merit of a student is definitely required. If you like listening to this podcast, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We are live on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan and other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out a podcast section. 
For any feedback, send an email to podcasts at thequin.com.